This is Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations with hosts Leah Lim and Dr. Anthony Stately. Community Health Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Anin, hello, I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Anthony Stately. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how healthcare in Indian country is responding and adapting beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. Miigwech and thank you for joining us. Bonjour, Dr. Anthony Stately. Hi, Leah. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. It's always nice to be with you. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing wonderfully. Excellent. So we are doing something a little bit different today. We have a bit different of a format. And so we are just going to talk to one another. I have a load of questions for you. And uh, I know you'll have just as much answers for me. So first off, we are in the midst of the holiday season. I don't know if you are frantic at all. I'm frantically preparing? Little, yeah, a little bit. It doesn't help that my kids still have not given me their list, right? They, they keep talking about this oh, list man. that they're going to make, and I still haven't gotten it yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> no list, no gift. Yeah, well, they can't actually believe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they think that Santa's a real thing, and like somehow the list will be given at midnight on Christmas Eve, and they'll still magically appear. But like, I, it's going to be a real challenge for sure. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> So being in the holiday season and being that the national emergency is over of um, the COVID-19 pandemic, there are still other respiratory illnesses going around. My family since the beginning of, of October has been in this up and down of respiratory illnesses. Luckily, I'm kind of cleared up right now, so I can speak very clearly instead of with a sore throat. But anyway, there's a ton of respiratory illnesses going around. And, you know, it it can kind of put a damper on the season. That's right, Leah. As of December 7th, 2023, Minnesota reported almost 5,000 more confirmed positive reinfections of COVID-19 than the end of November. And that's a lot for just one week. During that week, Minnesota also saw 58 deaths, almost 500 cases requiring hospitalization, and almost 100 hospitalized in the ICU. So hospitals are filling up with COVID. Um, they are also a significant number of new cases are of RSV also filling up hospital beds. So generally speaking, you know, um, there's a lot of um, virus floating around in the space. Yeah. And it's a tough time of year to have to spend away from your family, either in the hospital or quarantined off or isolated. I know a couple of years ago when I first had COVID, it was this time of year. <laughs> Let's just say we had a a Christmas tree that went undecorated for a couple of <laughs> weeks <laughs> because I was isolated away. <laughs> <laughs> they waited for me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that's how sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. But it is a tough time, you know, to spend away from your family. And we have to talk about our elders, of course, and 
especially those ages 85 and older, are the ones with the higher highest number of cases, which is still the case, still true. And even though that's still the case, we've seen a jump in COVID cases among toddlers as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I would also say is that I read recently a recent report of Minnesota is that the abundance, like 99% of the people who have passed away within the last year of COVID um, are people who are 65 and above. So we are not like, while other people are getting sick and having that experience, and it's not to say that they're not vulnerable to, to getting sick and, and, and being hospitalized and dying, the abundant, the overabundance of uh, those cases are among people who are much older and probably have a significant number of other co-occurring disorders that sort of make them much more vulnerable to becoming really sick and and potentially dying. So I think those are important things to recognize that the that that's what we're seeing in the numbers. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that like not that's not to say that like having your child hospitalized with COVID or RSVP RSV rather is also not concerning. Um, children under the age of two have very very tiny airways. Um, those become inflamed, and that becomes really problematic for smaller children and. If your child also has things like asthma and the other co-occurring things, those have become really complicated very rapidly. So kind of important things to think about um, for yourselves and also the people that you know or you might be wanting to spend time with at family events or you know you want to go to the Christmas party or the Christmas dinner at grandma's or at auntie's house or those kinds of things. Just recognize that those are really important things to rec- um, keep in the back of your mind. We've seen huge sp- spikes specifically among the Native community um, with more cases than the community has seen all year, which is, you know, interesting. I mean, important information. Additionally, our community has more COVID cases than any other racial group in the state, and we're three years into this. And just as a reminder, the state is still continuing the free rapid at-home COVID-19 tests, and you can get your free kit at sayyeshometest.org. Again, those free kits you can find online at sayyeshometest.org. Yeah, and that's a great resource. Um, A lot of people, they're also available at um, like drugstores and such, but that's a great resource if you don't have the ability to do that. Um, You can also get them free if um, at are not free, but your health insurance will pay for those things and cover them at drugstores if you have health insurance. And I've ordered them online before through the website, and they came pretty quickly. That's very yeah, convenient. My, yeah, mine came. I just had my most recent supply come like three or four days ago from Amazon, of all places, which is kind of interesting. I didn't know that that was they had that little deal together. But I actually tested positive about a month ago. Um, almost to the day, I think it was November 7th or 8th. Um, and, um, I had just gotten my updated vaccines and I had just, you know, um, did my flu vaccine and my COVID vaccine on a Thursday. And then the following day I felt ill and I assumed it was like the results of having those two things together tested negative on that day, Saturday boom, I had, I was positive and, um, and it hit me hard. Actually, mm-hmm. it hit me really hard. 
still. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But it's good you had those tests, though. I know when yeah. we've had our illnesses in the past couple months, having those tests on hand was really handy to do to do a quick test, make sure it's not COVID. I mean, still, we'd stay away from other people, but just to know it's not COVID was was pretty handy. Yeah, that is really an important thing. So um, knowing about whether or not it's COVID is a really helpful thing because you can take precautions to prevent that from other folks. I think, and if you haven't already gotten your flu shot or your updated COVID vaccines, I would encourage people to do that. Um, there's a couple of benefits to that. One is, is that, you know, you're likely, even if you do get um, COVID or flu, you're likely to not have as um, uh, demonstrable of an effect, perhaps. Like you will, it could um, significantly reduce the um, the severity and the length of your time that you're sick by having that vaccine. So, um, which also has implications for the people who you socialize, live with, and work with. Um, you know, you'd be less likely to inadvertently infect them if you are um, um, if you don't have positive symptoms as long as you normally would. Mm -hmm. And there's COVID vaccines, flu vaccines, and others. Yes, RSV. There's a RSV app, uh, vaccine now for small children, which I, who are six months and older, I would encourage people to get that for their children. Um, that should be an important one to have. RSV infections can make it can make it very hard for um, to breathe yeah. and tend to be harder for younger children and older adults. And then the pneumonia vaccine is also available and is recommended for people who are over sixty five. And who also have um, immune deficiency, um, and um, that—that's a vaccine that I take fairly regularly because I actually have been living with immunocompromised uh, condition for several um, several years now. Well, turning the uh, questions over to you, Doctor Stately, as the chief executive officer for the Native American Community Clinic. What sort of situations or environmental situations and other things might be causing the increase in cases? Well, I think um, some there's some clear demonstrable things. I think um, this is like our third year uh, of dealing with something like this. And we always see a rise in cases in like October, November, December, um, the colder months, right? Um, a lot of that has to do with like, when we're outdoors and um, in this in the springtime, the summer, and the early fall, um, you know we're outside being much more active. When it gets cold outside, and especially in Minnesota, we go inside. You know, we're inside the gym more frequently. We're inside, you know, our homes. We're inside. We're just not not doing a whole lot of stuff outside, which means we're sharing a lot of tight space with one another. And if we have a um, the beginning of a uh, of an illness, maybe it's not even evident to us necessarily that we're sick. Um, we could be sharing viruses and not even really thinking about that or not even paying attention to it uh, until it's kind of on our doorstep. So that's one thing that I kind of keep in keep in mind. One way of managing that is to um, um, you know try to try, try your best to sort of manage the number of people who you spend time with and the length of time that you spend in time in very tight quarters with people. Well, um, especially if you yourself are feeling ill or, um, you know, if, um, you know, 
uh, you're able to and you feel comfortable doing it, I would encourage you to do things like wear a mask. Um, it might not um, be, um, you know, socially desirable, as my kids would say, <laughs> probably to do that. But it does reduce the significantly, especially if it's an N95, the opportunity for you to either pass something or pick something up. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, it feels like from pretty much, um, you know, Halloween through, I don't know, the first week of um, January, we're all gathering and doing something, right? You know, having a, a party or a gathering or a dinner or this or that, exchanging gifts, the whole thing is kind of like, you know, opportunity for, um, you know, um, um, bug soup. <laughs> I don't know how else to call that. <laughs> Viral That's a soup. good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so... Um, that's a that's a just an important reminder that like you know you can you can help yourself and you can help your family and your loved ones by just paying a little bit more attention to that. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations. This program is supported by Minnesota Department of Health. Find information about COVID vaccines and boosters online at mn.gov/covid19. All right, Dr. Stately, again, it's the holiday season. Happy holidays. Thank you. And whether you celebrate or not, it is the time of year where people tend to gather. So question number one from one of our producers. My grandmother has had all her vaccinations, but I'm still worried about her being with the entire family. How can I keep her safe, especially with so many young children and it sounds like this particular grandmother has lung issues as well those conversations with relatives early on like don't pick the day before christmas <laughs> to have that conversation with them like start having these conversations with them now now and saying you know um how, how do you want to manage this like you know those kinds of things and then have you know develop a couple of plans, you know, develop plan A and plan B and plan C about how you would manage things like, you know, getting your gifts back and forth to each other, um, food and food preparation, if that's important, and, uh, and then spending time together. And then think through things like, you know, can I stop by for five minutes with a mask on? And especially with all the young children, I know young children can just be really good at spreading things <laughs> and yeah you know, and it's not their fault they're you no. know i don't know i've 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 called my own children petri dishes walking petri dishes <laughs> i almost said petri dish i held back <laughs> you know it's you know it's a loving term actually yeah of course yep <laughs> you know um it doesn't cost anything. You know, lots of things cost a lot of money during Christmas time, but it doesn't cost you anything, mm -hmm. you know, to do a good job of taking care of the people that you love. And that's probably the best gift you can give them, even if you can't give them anything else. Yeah. Which, of course, brings us to the next question of how to approach getting an updated vaccine with 
a family member or friend who originally took a bit of convincing or, you know, had a hard time deciding on getting the first vaccine. I think you you have to sort of kind of pay attention to the nature of your relationship with this individual, right? So whoever you're talking with and and ask yourself, like, what's the pathway that is the most reasonable and likely to sort of elicit the response I want from them, which means I want to engage them in a meaningful conversation. What I would encourage you to do is say to them something like, you know, hey, I really want you to be here with us. People who come to us, I, I want them to have a, have a vaccine. Um, can we talk about whether or not you are open to doing that? Because I want you to be here, but here's my here's my um my hard line, right? With love and compassion, be completely transparent about where their bottom line is, right? At Thanksgiving, um, when we had a little bit of like you know you know that um bug soup going on in my home, I was I I said to one of my relatives like you know do you have a vaccine? And they were like no, and I said okay, well I, I'm I'm just gonna say like you can. You can, you know, be out of the living area and down in the basement and like with the door closed and you get to stay down there. <laughs> and I didn't have a problem saying that directly. I was like, you know, that, that those are my rules and guess what? This is my house and this is my family and I get to say that. So, um, and I think that it went well, but it was also, you know, it wasn't a hard conversation to have, but it was one that I didn't really, um, like to have to say to them like sure you know i also did follow that conversation up by the way was telling that person you know i want you to know that like this is an area where you have some expertise it's also an area where i have some experience right i have some experience being um having some of these conditions and i want you to know that i love you and i care about you and i really want to encourage you to get the vaccine because it would make me sad if you got sick and you're with us anymore Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know, having authentic conversations is really important in families. So people got COVID over the summer, outdoor events, powwows. I know I went on vacation out in the middle of nowhere the summer prior. In the middle of nowhere, got COVID somehow. <laughs> I remember that. You were in the middle of a lake. <laughs> I was in a mountain. Just <laughs> yeah. Are we safe getting together? I understand that anxiety. Right. I really do. I, I mean, I think it's a real thing when in actuality, you do have a lot of control and you do have a lot of decisions that you could make to, to make yourself feel safer. Um, and I would say top of mind to just remember, like, you know, some really simple things. There is um, there is significant scientific actual evidence that shows that you are demonstrably more protected if you have a vaccine for something than not. And maybe it's not a hundred percent, right? Effective. That's what I hear a lot from some of my relatives who are like, not maybe anti-vaxxers, but unsure, I would say. Right. So I would, I talk to them and I say things like, you know what, maybe it's not going to be 100% effective from preventing me from actually getting the thing but I'll take 30% over 0%. I'd take, you know, 50% over nothing, right? 
um, which is a much better sort of um, approach, I think, than just saying, I don't have any ability to actually control any of this. So that's one thing I would encourage people to do is really sort of like ponder that and ask yourself, like, what is your, um, your ambivalence about that? There are real people who can't get the vaccine because they either have a condition that makes them more vulnerable, just getting the vaccine. And I think having an intentional conversation with your provider about that and what are some of your other solutions is an important thing to do. So if you fall into that category, I would say talk with your provider about what you can do to make yourself specifically safer in a specific situation. And we talked about in the beginning here about COVID cases being very high this year among Native American populations here yeah. in Minnesota. You know, we talked about a popu the population in general, why we might see high rates. But for Native populations, why do you think that is the case, that there are so many COVID cases? Yeah. Mm, okay. That is a good question. And um, so a couple things. One is, is that, um, you know, there may be underlying um, health conditions that make you more vulnerable to, to getting COVID and then actually getting sick as a result of that and hospitalized. When we look at the health disparity rates of native people in this in the in the state of Minnesota we have some of the highest rates of asthma we have some of the highest rates of um, lung diseases and those kinds of things conditions that and we have the highest rates of diabetes which I, and which also has some um, some of that makes you a little bit more vulnerable to to um, uh, getting sick and getting ill <clears throat> and if you are older which is where we're seeing a lot of the preponderance of like hospitalizations and deaths um, your already taxed immune system from other conditions makes it much harder for you to fight something different. It's important to note that, you know, COVID-19 is a, the type of virus that, that mutates fairly regularly. So like we're not oh, on, yeah. I don't even, I, I kind of lost count actually, if I'm completely frank of the number of mutations that we are at now. What it's Greek like, letter you know, we're on. <laughs> what Greek letter we're on. I think it's called Eris now or something like that too, or maybe that might've been a couple of, you know, um, that might've been a couple months ago. But the point is, is that it is a virus that continues to mutate and change. And so what that means is that, you know, there's always the potential that you could um, have gotten sick a year ago or two years ago and you've built up some antibodies, but then there's also a smart virus and it can kind of also find another entryway into you. Oof. Well, how do you approach the mistrust that people may have had at the intersection of COVID, scientific facts, doctors, and cultural wisdom? Is there anything that you try to highlight to help combat that? I've had a number of conversations with different family members about this and people that I have social relationships with. Um, I understand your mistrust for for um, uh, science, right? Like, especially as indigenous people, we haven't always been um, on the best part of the receiving end of those conversations. And actual science has been, you know, sometimes harmful to us, right? And I think that that mistrust and the healthy mistrust is a good thing. 
I think what's problematic is when we um, are not open to exploring and not open to sort of understanding and uh, and recognizing that the the um, we're at a different place in time with with history. Um, you know, so much has happened over the last 40, 50 years to hold science and scientists more responsible for the conduct of their of their research. And um, we also have lots of um, other safety nets in place to ensure that people aren't, you know, um, using science to be harmful. Um, what I would also say is, you know, I have had conversations with families family members and also friends about, you know, that the decision to use things like vaccinations and get tested and those kinds of things for like COVID or any other sort of health condition isn't necessarily in direct conflict with like cultural practices or um, the use of things like traditional medicines, I always think that those things can live side by side and they can be used in the same space, right? And so part of that is is having, um, encouraging people to have meaningful conversations with not just their doctor, but then also their, um, you know, the people that they rely on for, for that work, like their traditional healer, their cultural healer, their spiritual advisor. And then I would say even after you do those things, you have those conversations with people, you, most of us, well, I think all of us as human beings, especially us indigenous ones, we're intelligent, satient beings. We can, and we can read, we can investigate, and we can um, make some decisions on our own with good information. I think a lot of the times what's missing from healthcare is um, and healthcare decision making is like the lack of taking the time to understand things that are complex and taking the time to try to understand those things better and then spending some time thinking about it and, and actually wondering about it. So great. Well, I have one last question for you from our producers, which I'm going to just second because I like the question. <laughs> what have you seen? or heard that has given you hope for indigenous communities in Minnesota facing COVID or future pandemics? Yeah, there's a few things that I think about. One is, is that like, I want to remind everybody that when this pandemic first kind of took hold of our communities and, and the, and the globe, native people moved rapidly and in amazing synchrony to sort of support our communities. We did a better job of getting people vaccinated, a better job of rolling out testing um, on small and large scale um, 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 situations within our communities. We did such an amazing job with our own communities that we actually then, as good relatives, we started taking care of the people that lived around us, the communities that we that we um, that surrounded our our reservations and our, and our communities. We have a long, rich history of being able to do that. So I have a lot of hope that we can tackle this and that we can address it and address it well. Excellent. Well, Chimigwech, Dr. Stately, for answering all of these questions and giving our community a, a little guidance as we move through the holiday season. For sure. You bet. I am really happy um, to have been able to have this conversation. And thank you all for listening today. Chimigwich. I'm Anthony Stately. And I'm Leah Lem, Gigawabaman, and we wish you health. 
This is Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations with hosts Leah Lim and Dr. Anthony Stately. Minnesota Native News Community Health Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Find information about COVID vaccines and boosters online at mn.gov COVID-19. Find more of our conversations at minnesotanativenews.org slash community conversations.